0: chapter thirty of beyond the rocks a love story by eleanor glynn this librivox recording is in the public domain reading by amy deutschler and the summer wore away and the dripping autumn came and with each week each day almost josiah seemed to shrivel it was not very noticeable at first after the ten days of sharp illness which had prostrated him when he received the fatal letter. He appeared to recover almost from that, and they went down to Bessington Hall at the beginning of July, but there was no further talk of a second honeymoon. Theodora's tenderness and devotion never flagged. If her heart was broken, she could at least keep her word and try to make her husband happy and so each one acted apart with much zeal for the other's welfare it was anguish to josiah to see his wife's sweet face grow whiter and thinner she was so invariably bright and cheerful with him so considerate of his slightest wish his pride and affection for her had turned into a sort of adoration as the days wore on he used to watch her silently from behind a paper or when she thought he slept then the mask of smiles fell from her and he saw the pathetic droop of her young fair head and the mournful gloom that would creep into her great blue eyes and he was the stumbling-block to her happiness she had sent away the man she loved in order to stay and be true to him to minister to his wants and do her utmost to render him happy oh what could he do for her in return what possible thing he lavished gifts upon her he lavished gifts upon her sisters upon her father their welfare he remembered was part of the bargain at least she would know these her dear ones had gained by it and so far her sacrifice had not been in vain this thought comforted him a little but the constant gnawing ache at his heart and the withdrawal of all object to live for soon began to tell upon his always feeble constitution of what use was anything at all his house or his lands his pride in his position even his title of squire which he often heard now all were dead sea fruit dust and ashes there never would be any browns of bessington in the years to come there never would be anything for him never any more for a week in september captain and mrs dominic fitzgerald had paid them a visit and the brilliant bride had cheered them up for a little and seemed to bring new life with her she expressed herself as completely satisfied with her purchase in the way of a husband. It was just as she had known, three was a lucky number for her, and Dominic was her soul's mate, and they were going to lead the life they both loved, of continual movement and change and gaiety. But the situation at Bessington distressed her. "'Why, my dear?' they are just like a couple of sick parroquets she said to her husband mr brown don't look long for this world and theodora is a shadow what in the lord's name has been happening to them but dominic could not enlighten her before they left she determined to ascertain for herself the last evening she said to theodora who was bidding her good-night in her room "'I had a letter from your friend, Lord Brackendale, last week from Alaska. "'He asks for news of you. "'Did you see him after he came from Paris? "'He was only a short while in England, I understand.' "'Yes, we saw him once or twice,' said Theodora. "'And we made the acquaintance of his sister. "'He always seemed to be very fond of her. "'Is she a nice sort of woman?' very nice i hear the mother is clean crazy with him for going off again and not marrying that heiress they are so set upon but why should he he don't want the money no said theodora was he at beechley when you were there yes and miss Winmerley too yes she was there oh said mrs fitzgerald a great lump of a woman isn't she she is rather large this was hopeless a conversation of this sort jane fitzgerald decided it told her nothing theodora's face had become so schooled it did not even to her stepmother's sharp eyes betray any emotion i am glad if the folly is over she thought to herself but i shouldn't wonder if it wasn't something to do with it still after all if it is not that what can it be then she said aloud he is going through america and we shall meet him when we get back in november most likely i shall persuade him to come down to florida with us if i can he seems to be aimlessly wandering around i suppose shooting things but florida is the loveliest place in the world and i wish you and josiah would come too my dear that would be beautiful said theodora but josiah is not fit for a long journey we shall go to the riviera most probably when the weather gets cold have you no message for him then theodora when i see him and now there was some sign theodora clasped her hands together and she said in a constrained voice yes tell him i hope he is well and i am well just that, and she walked over to the dressing table and picked up a brush and put it down again nervously. I shall tell him no such thing, said her stepmother kindly, because I don't believe it's true. You are not well, dear child, and I am worried about you. But Theodora assured her that she was, and all was as it should be, and nothing further could be got out of her so they kissed and wished each other good-night and jane fitzgerald left to herself heaved a great sigh next day after this cheery pair had gone things seemed to take a deeper gloom the mention of hector's name and whereabouts had roused theodora's dormant sorrows into activity again and with all her will and determination to hide her anguish Josiah could perceive an added note of pathos in her voice at times, and less and less elasticity in her step. Once he would have noticed none of these things, but now each shade of difference in her made its impression upon him. And so the time wore on, their hearts full of an abiding grief. When October set in, Josiah caught a bad cold which obliged him to keep to his bed for days and days he did not seem very ill and assured his wife he would be all right soon but by november sir baldwin evans who was sent for hurriedly from london broke it gently to theodora that her husband could not live through the winter he might not even live for many days then she wept bitter tears had she been remiss in anything what could she do for him oh poor josiah and josiah knew that his day was done as he lay there in his splendid silk curtained bed but life had become of such small worth to him that he was almost glad now soon she can be happy my little girl he said to himself with the one of her class it does not do to mix them and i was a fool to try but her heart is too kind ever to quite forget poor old josiah brown and this thought comforted him and that night he died then theodora wept her heart out as she kissed his cold thin hand when they got the telegram in new york at mrs fitzgerald's mansion hector was just leaving the house and captain fitzgerald ran after him down the steps my son-in-law josiah brown is dead he said my wife thought you would be interested to hear poor fellow he was not very old either only fifty-two hector almost staggered for a moment and leaned against the gilded balustrade then he took off his hat reverently while he said in his deep expressive voice there lived no greater gentleman and captain fitzgerald wondered if he were mad or what he could mean as he watched him stride away down the street but when he told his wife she understood for she had just learned from Hector the whole story. And perhaps, who knows, far away in Shadowland, Josiah heard those words, There lived no greater gentleman, and if he did, they fell like balm on his sad soul. End of chapter 30